A good friend of mine entered the seminary about 10 years ago to pursue a vocation to the priesthood after having been a teacher for eight or so years. And then after about three years of seminary, he discerned that that perhaps was not his call. And so he sought to go back to the world and to his career of teaching. And with anybody in that situation, it's always a bit awkward and difficult to, to re-enter the world after being kind of away from it in religious or seminary formation for a few years. And so I remember some of our conversations as he was wrestling with uh, things like where to live and, and where he was going to work and so forth. And what was noteworthy is that when he had entered seminary initially, he uh, sold his condo that he lived in. And so as he was thinking about going back to work, I just asked him honestly, you know, why, why did you sell the, the condo? Because a lot of times um, people in formation might wait a little closer to ordination to, to divest of things like that. And he responded in two very simple direct words, all in. In other words, if I'm going to pursue this calling that demands everything of me, I'm not going to go into it with a contingency plan. I want to just go all in. So he eventually found his way, but then God rewarded him for his spirit of abandonment. And after going back in the world and working for three more years, he discerned it actually was the Lord's calling for him to become a priest. So he re-entered seminary and thanks be to God was just recently ordained a priest. He also happens to uh, play in this uh, quartet dubbed the Vatican III. If you've never heard of them, don't worry, they're terrible. And the drummer is particularly obnoxious. He needs to really focus on just being a good Harvard chaplain. And so we hear in these readings today that following Christ, no matter the state of life and vocation, necessarily involves something seemingly drastic and leaving something behind. For all of us, that's going to include negative and positive things. On one hand, we're all going to have to leave behind sin. And for some more than others, sinful lifestyles, perhaps toxic relationships, all these sort of things that, that bring us away from God. But we're all also going to have to give up and surrender good things, things that are not bad in any way, but that the Lord is calling us to surrender so that we can make a more complete, full gift of ourselves to him and to those whom he has set for us to serve. In the first reading, today we heard uh, that in order to follow Elijah, Elisha returns to his home briefly in order to sacrifice the yoke of oxen as well as his family plowing equipment. By any account, this represented a so-called wasting of an enormous sum of money. One yoke or a pair of oxen 
would have cost thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars in today's money. And the plowing equipment, hundreds or even thousands of dollars more. All of this, Elisha offered to God immediately and at once. And doubtless his family would not have been enthusiastic about the killing of the pair of oxen and furthermore, the destruction of the plowing gear that would have made it impossible for Elisha to return to his farming lifestyle. In other words, Elisha in one moment did away with all contingency plans. And this was a definitive public gesture that he was beginning a new life in this irrevocable fashion. His decision to follow Elijah is immediate, it is permanent, and it is radical. We are given the antithesis of this in the gospel with these three would-be disciples. The first is insincere. The second makes an excuse. The third delays. In every case, Jesus stresses the totality and the urgency of the commitment that discipleship demands. If discipleship to the prophet Elijah required immediate destruction of one's livelihood and total abandonment for Elisha to follow him, how much more does discipleship to the Son of God require? Now, this is going to look different for everyone. God calls each of us in a particular and specific way, and that's going to entail all unique and particular sacrifices that we all will have to make. But the point is that for all of us, that surrender and abandonment must be immediate, permanent, and radical. Immediate in that there cannot be delay. To delay, to put it off, is ultimately to say no. And it has to be permanent. There can be no desire to turn back, and radical. It must demand something of us, and it's going to require great courage and surrender. So is it all worth it? St. Paul gives us the alternative in the second reading, and that is the yoke of slavery to sin. And with the way sin works, any delay in pursuing Christ, any momentary turning back, an amount of lukewarmness or mediocrity, any of these things will give sin and death the upper hand. The spiritual battle is unrelenting, and it's harder to fight the battle halfway or half-heartedly. It's like trying to live a double life it's bound to implode at some point. And if you're here right now, you've already made this extremely unpopular decision to attend Mass on a hot summer morning, then you might as well go all in. Ask the Lord what he is calling you to surrender in order to follow him more fully. Once you get an answer, don't delay, don't turn back, 
Just go all in. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.